for. G. Marie taught me. Strives to help women of color navigate tough issues and life's lessons. From love, loss, to the advice I should have listened to my damn self, this self-help podcast promises to deliver unscripted, unfiltered, and unapologetic realness. I am your host, G. Marie, and you are now tuning in to G. Marie Taught Me, the podcast. What's up? We did the same thing. What's going on? What is up? How are you? Man, ain't nothing wrong with that. Welcome. Welcome to my live podcast. I have been so bad at promoting um, because I've been really busy. Really, really, really busy. But, and we, it's, it's a crowd today. It's actual, it's an actual crowd today. So, we are up north. What's going on? Yes, but um, welcome to G Marie Taught Me, the podcast. We are live and in full effect. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. I am up north right now, right up north Michigan. So we are um, just celebrating life. And of course, everybody knows that I got engaged last week, but technically this was supposed to be my engagement. (laughs) I fucked it up. I fucked it up. But how are you? How are you doing? Making it. Life, life is good. That's good. I like hearing um, stuff like that. In the midst of like a really, uh, I guess I want to call it a transitional season, but I think we all are right now. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's people coming in too. Hey, what's up, y'all? For everybody that's joining us. Hey. But all right, uh, let's get into it. So normally, I have a quote of the week, but I haven't been really. I'm not going to say inspired. I just haven't found a quote that speaks to my heart as of this week. Um, besides, I've been reading a lot of Nikki Giovanni. Um, there is a quote by Toni Morrison, but it's on my phone, so I can't go in and actually look for it in my phone. But I'll find it later, and I'll just tell you guys what the inspirational quote of the week is. Um, but other than that, we can definitely get into the meat and the potatoes of the show. So this is a four-part series that I've been doing for like the last four weeks. So this is the fourth week. And it's about the strong black woman syndrome, a.k.a. Um, the black woman narrative. So I've been um, doing a lot of interviews with a lot of different black women and just asking pretty much, you know, how they feel about the strong black woman narrative and how oftentimes it is perceived to be something um, positive. But in actuality, it's one of those, you know, we ready to take off our cape in spite of everything that's been going on with the systemic racism um, you know, COVID and just balancing like everyday life, whether you're a parent, whether you're a single mom, whether um, you're just, you know, out here hustling and doing what you got to do, whether you are married, whether you are a single black female, I feel like the narrative or the strong black woman narrative for me especially has been um, often misused and I feel like it's used against me a lot of the time. Um, I know when I was dating this one guy, he used to always joke and say, you know, you miss independent, you don't need anybody, but in actuality, I feel like, you know, us as black women, we're always carrying the weight of the world when we're dealing with our own struggle. So if you could, if you could define the strong black woman, um, narrative, what would you define it as? Don't worry about it. I got it. 
unscripted, unfiltered, un unapologetic because I'm supposed to be on vacation and I totally forgot that I had a vacation. So I scheduled the podcast the same time as my vacation. But after this, I am not working. I'm not doing anything. So I'm so glad. Okay, I, look, I have my, my red cup right here, but it's empty now. I've been drinking. So I've been drinking. <laughs> But anyway, so I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, of course, I know that you are a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And um, there was something I was reading about that actually struck my interest. And it was about the uh, women's suffrage movement. And I know how, you know, Deltas were really active during that time. But unfortunately, the women's suffrage movement was not... Um, geared towards black feminism if that's a word it was more so you know white feminists and but at the end of the day there were a lot of black women that were behind these movements and they were doing so much and um i brought that up because so i've been reading this book by uh phoebe robinson she has a podcast um with another young lady called two dope queens and she sold the podcast rights to HBO. So they did like a live podcast. It was amazing. But she brought it up in her book about um, how, you know, the women's suffrage movement, they have like a diverse board now for stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, the women's suffrage just does not cater to black women. So do we have a, a safe space where we can go to where people are fighting for our rights, you know? It's, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough because when you think about it, you know, I mean, look at how quickly everybody glossed over Breonna Taylor's murder. And now, I don't want to say it's been reduced to me, but oh. you will see a meme about Breonna Taylor. It's no longer trending. Um, yeah, but don't nobody fight for us. For everyone's issues. But we are hard pressed to find anyone other than ourselves fighting for us. Yep. And so I think black women find we, we tend to find ourselves at the forefront of a lot of causes that are not necessarily meant for us. to us. Now they are I mean we get, you know, fringe benefits. The little side piece, you know. Maybe a tad bit of peace of mind. If we fight for your cause and then we are victorious, then we get a little peace of mind. But it's not necessarily catered for us. I, if we don't do it for ourselves, I feel like it doesn't get done. Absolutely. I'm so glad that um you brought that point up. Like... And, and it's amazing too, like the, the work that you guys are doing as an organization and how you guys are continuing the fight, um, especially for the equal rights of black women in general. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, I can go on about those same things, but. Both, I mean, we both could. <laughs> but the, the reality is, it's like, okay, so you think about the Jim Crow era, right? lady who i can't remember her name but it was uh she gave like a speech on the oscars this actress and she basically talked about you know equal pay and that struck up a conversation about women not being um compensated fairly but she went on to say you know so 
now that this topic was brought up, we know I need the LGBT community, and I, I probably abbreviated it wrong, so my apologies, y'all. Um, somebody put it at the bottom because my, my mind is like really foggy, so I'm so sorry. Um, we need the uh, African American community to rally behind what it is that we're doing. So basically, what you're saying is black people and the um, LBG. I say it backwards. Yeah, I always say it backwards. Community, like we're they're not rallying already for you know equality but most importantly we need y'all to rally for us too so you know say for example if i'm online and somebody is harassing me because i'm speaking my mind about a situation that is uh prevalent especially about the equal rights of african-american men and women but you know i have my white friends and my white allies just kind of sitting in silence and not defending what's going on i mean how how are you going to sit here and tell us that you know we have to continue to fight for the rights of um women but to not also continue to fight for the rights of black women that's all a feminist is a feminist is just somebody who's fighting for rights that have nothing to do or for like for non-people of color for you know not not the the l y'all gonna fuck me up i love y'all i promise y'all i just i cannot yeah you know like so you know, I think it's kind of sad that at the end of the day, you know, black women in general, we're out here and we're fighting and, you know, we're putting up a an amazing fight and sometimes an amazing front. But we don't have people to back up our movements or better yet, like just just the fact that, again, um, Breonna Taylor was in her home and she was asleep and cops came in and just shot up her damn house for no reason without a real warrant or real reason and then they they still walking around free and shit like and not, and not only are they walking around free they passed a law in her name and didn't seek to to enact any justice in her honor no. it doesn't make any sense and I think it's rather unfortunate that black women we are our interests get swallowed by everyone else's interests so when Take the moment to abbreviate, hey, fight for black women. It's like, y'all, we fighting for all black people. We are. But fight for black women. Or, hey, let's fight for equal rights for women, specifically for black women. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're, we're talking about for all women. Like, we get, I feel like black women get all lives matter, for lack of a better term, by everything. By everything. everything. And even, in the, even in, for the sake of black trans women. It's not even about, um, it's like, you know, fight for black trans women. That's like, no, fight for all gay people. Yes. But for but black trans women specific. Yep. So it, I don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I think that because of all of that stuff, we do end up, that is how we end up with the, the strong black woman there. Yep. Because we have to do this shit for ourselves or it will not get done. It won't get done. And it's unfortunate because we look for spaces to be safe and be soft and be vulnerable. And we are hard pressed to find it. And quite frankly, it pisses me off. <laughs> okay i i got a snap on that one i'm so glad that um i even continue to do this four-part series because it came out it was a conversation i was having with a young lady um who i happened to meet on instagram and we ended up doing like a zoom call she's in alabama and um we were just you know talking about just everything and i was telling her about my podcast and you know what it is that i offer on my podcast and she was like you know it's so crazy that everything is going on and you know i know we haven't really been inspired as creatives but i'm gonna be real with you you know we've been fighting this black lives matter movement but it seems like black women just don't have a safe space where they can go and like converse and i was like damn you might be on to something so that's when i created the four-part series and i was just like you know what i want to talk to all black women from all walks of life and i just want to know like how they're preparing themselves mentally how they're healing you know physically and mentally how they're dealing with everything that's going on because i know for me like this has been the year of um just pure anxiety i've never had anxiety attacks the way that i've had them this year like at the beginning of the year 
I was sick and you know the doctor said it wasn't COVID but it felt like it but then they went on to say you know you're having like panic attacks and I'm like to this extreme to where I'm sick you know so so you got to take a step back and realize like okay if it is you know anxiety or a panic attack and, and it's not like I'm taking medicine for it what can I do to incorporate better mental health practices in my uh, my schedule. So what are you doing? Um, to be honest, as of late, I have not been doing very well with it. Um, I probably had I had to talk to my therapist for over a month, but that was one of my ways I was having sessions with a therapist. Um, I have been working out sporadically. Um, I've been trying to be in control of things that I'm in control of. And what I realized is, like, honestly, we don't have very much control of anything that happens to us aside from what we, like, put in our mouth and what we say out of it, Right? before I started this series um I wasn't posting much about everything that was going on because it was just a matter of this is a a moment of like grievance people are grieving also with everything that's going on and I remember like being on a call for this um group that I'm in and this young lady unfortunately it's like maybe three or four black people in this group but she shared this with the group and I'm so glad that you know us as black women we were able to sit together and 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 give her words of encouragement but she felt attacked on her platform because she wasn't speaking up every day about everything that was going on because she just one has she doesn't have the words for what's going on and two she's literally just trying to process everything and i feel like especially for a lot of creatives i think we're all in this um moment where we're just trying to process shit we're merely trying to just survive at this point and it's not that we don't care anymore any less about the movement but it's it's literally the equivalent to losing a family member because it's happening to people that look like us so now we have to wake up every day not only knowing that okay there is a disease that you can't see killing primarily african-americans you know but also we're being killed at the hands of people that are supposed to protect us in the midst of a fucking pandemic we don't feel safe we just don't feel safe and as a result that shit fucks with your mental so does it make you any more any less blacker if you just don't have the words to speak in that moment or to even speak up for everything that's going on when in fact you're merely just trying to process shit. That's all. And I've, I've had to remind, hell, even my coworkers at my job, because right now I'm, par- I'm working part-time from home. And it's like maybe two or three black people, but it's a very diverse group of people. And I just said, you know, my uh, my boss was 
and I love him to death. He's he's Caucasian. He's from the South. And um, we, we logged into our group chat one day, and he changed his profile picture to Black Lives Matter. He didn't say anything. He just changed it. Said good morning, everybody. So I saw it. I changed my shit. I was like, good morning. And then I saw a couple other people change their shit. Good morning. And, and we kept the flow going. It was probably maybe like five or six, you know, co-workers that are Caucasian that really didn't pay too much, you know, about it. But they they talked about it for a minute. Um, I guess to get like a better understanding of the overall meaning of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then I finally just came in and said, hey, listen, I'm going to be real with y'all. You know, it's cool working with y'all and everything I said, but this movement is so important to me. Because at the end of the day, I'm black first. I'm, I'm, I might be Gabby to y'all. You know, I might be outgoing, very free-spirited, always cracking jokes. But at the end of the day, I wake up and I am reminded that I am black in America. So I do not have the same privileges as you all. So if I walk into one of my Starbucks accounts, yeah, nine times out of ten, I'm dealing with a racist-ass account manager who don't want to talk to me because I'm telling him how to do his job. And, and I've had that happen because I had accounts in Kentucky, which is another reason why what's happening to Brianna is hitting me harder because I traveled to Cincinnati and Kentucky a lot. I was living in Indianapolis for like the first year I worked my job because I had to travel to a lot of my accounts. So I think about that and I think about that girl, Brianna, looks like me. She's shaped like me. She's from Michigan. Damn it, I hope she was from Detroit, you know, but to see her... And to know that she was trying to um, make a better life for herself. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes that means moving out of Detroit to go somewhere else. And then for that shit to be taken away from her at such a young age, that hit me even harder because I know how racist they are in Kentucky. I know how racist they are in Ohio. I know how some of them, you know, how racist they are in Indiana. So for me, I'm just like, bro. Sometimes I don't even have the words to process what's going on. But um, but like you said, th- th- sometimes just sharing a bit of information, you know, <laughs> it, it goes a long way. And I know with you being in entertainment, you know, I hope and pray that you are getting the healing that you need. Because you still have to go out and you got to report this shit sometimes. And some days, like I'm over here getting teary-eyed. Some days, it's like... The fact that I got to wake up and I still have to report this shit and act like everything is okay when everything is not okay. Nothing is okay. Nothing is okay. So I'm Nothing like, I'm crying okay. for you right now. Like, seriously. And it, it's so, and it's like, you can't, as much as you would like, as much as I, I'm not even going to say you or me, as much as I uh-huh. would like to not be so entrenched. Oh, yes. It is my for the therapist i've been saying that for the past like four weeks you know (laughs) at the end of the day like who who is the therapist for the therapist and and i'm i'm so glad like the women that i've talked to over the past four weeks like between geneva from energy studios 
Jamae from Girl Bye. Um, my homegirl Dom of Pretty Rights. You, like, you guys are, you're doing so much and you're doing so much for black women. And I wanted to talk to y'all specifically because I'm like, yo, who is holding them down right now? Like, how they feeling? Because I know they, they feeling something right now. And they've been, you know, getting up every day, hustling, doing what they got to do to put on for black women. But who is taking the time to put on for them? This is the most I think I've ever cried on my podcast <laughs> because I think this shit is so liberating. Like, I normally, I be like all strong and shit, but this is literally me taking my cape off and saying, I don't feel like being a strong black woman anymore. Like, I don't want to. You don't have to. You know? <laughs> like, girl, okay. But still, you know. Because my thing is, like I said, I created this platform because, again, like, who's the therapist for the therapist type of thing? Like, the women that are holding everybody down. Like, even, like, this comment uh, about 09 player. Like, no one ever asked me how I felt. We here before a hospital. Police almost killed me. Like, shit like that. Like, you know, do black people... I know we got a safe space, but I mean, do we really have a safe space where we can really, like, trust <laughs> that things are going to be taken care of? Especially when we don't have family. Especially when we, if we don't have friends like who can we talk to to process everything that's going on not just even like right now but just in general like we need somewhere we can go to just process shit like being out here up north in nature look i'm gonna be real with you i'm so glad that these white people are nice up here you got maybe one or two or three bad apples but ain't nobody fuck with us we out here chilling you know i'm getting this fresh air but it's stuff like that that we should be able to enjoy without having our lives taken away from us i should be able to go walking running swimming grocery shopping listening to music you know without having to look over my shoulder you know Me too. No <laughs> but me too. Every fucking summer. And this one summer, like I've always known that I was black. Like I went to an African centered school and African centered church and all this. Like I've always known I was black. But I didn't realize that it was like problematic for other people until one year at camp. Ooh. And um, there's a, there's like girl cabins and boy cabins. Yep. And I'm like, I'm just not going camp. Yeah. Okay. So once a week, though, a girl cabin and your their brother cabin would go away from the camp, like out into the woods. Oh. Right. And um, they pile our sleeping bags in this trailer, and then they, the trailer drive up. We walk. We get to the trailer. We unpack the trailer. It's a dead black caterpillar on the sleeping bags. And so we looking at it like, ugh, it's a caterpillar. This small white boy, I don't remember what his name was, but I was there for you. Wow. Um, blonde hair, dark brown eyes, crony cheeks. And his face was so close to the caterpillar. And you know how kids are like, oh, I drink this. This little boy said to me, it's black just like you, why don't you eat it? Oh, bitch. 
time. Okay. Like, nigga, what? The counselor oh. was a college student. And now, like, yes, now that I'm older, I understand that my nigga was in college. He didn't know what to do. He just stood there and looked at us. He looked at me. I looked at him. We looking at the boy, the caterpillar, and looking at everybody. Shit. And I was just like, why not? They start them young. Yep. My mom, she started me very young. Like my mom, so my um my great grandfather, he's German. He's white. And there's a there was a picture of him at my grandma's house. He looked like my uncle, Michael, my mom's brother. And I used to like always ask my grandma, like, who is this guy? And um she finally told me, she said that's her father, Paul. But I was like, he looks like Uncle Michael. And she was like, Well, I mean, this is my dad. I was like, but he's white. She said, yeah, my, my father is white. But we always made jokes with my mom about, you know, her freckles and being light-skinned. But at the end of the day, she always reminded us, like, you're always black. You're 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 going to be black no matter where you go. But the fact that she had to instill that in us at such a young age, even when I used to go camping up north, too. Like, I did this in a while. But I used to go camping up north, too. And I had an experience with um, a young lady who happened to be white. Thank you. And I think I had like my hair in two Afro puffs. She was like, Oh, can I touch your hair? And I'm just like, she said, I've never seen a black person before. Can I touch your hair? To be 12 years old and have to explain to a white person, like, hey, listen, I know this is your first time meeting black people. I said, but if you go out into the world and you ask a black woman or African American woman to touch their hair, they won't like that shit. So I'm gonna tell you, right? I'm gonna explain this to you, and I'm gonna be very polite about it and let you know, like, hey, listen, I'm black, and I don't, I don't like my hair being touched. I don't like my hair being touched. Another thing was, um, I'm sorry, what? I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I'm not a puppy. Another thing too, I'm weird about. Like, I went out. I went to uh, Top Golf, and I wanted some water, but the what you call it, she couldn't bring me any water. The the waitress or whatever it was like packed or some shit. So I'm still waiting for water. So my coworker was like, "Well, here, I got some ice in this cup. You want to drink that?" And I was just kind of like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but like, black people funny about drink behind other people and I was called bougie and uppity but I'm like I was like well it's just you know and I'm just like you know I feel like black people we just we raised a little bit different and and that's like a no-no in a household you don't drink after nobody you don't know but to be called bougie and uptight because you know my african-american grandmother raised me not to drink behind people you know and I say that that's that's a black thing. It's just people got cooties. 
Like, bitches literally have the right. Now it's coronavirus. It's it, the coronavirus, okay? Coronavirus. <laughs> I just. <sighs> it's a mess. It's like she constantly misunderstood all the time. Oh. It's all misunderstood by everybody. Black women are misunderstood, period. We're, we are the most misunderstood creatures. Um, and sometimes I have to, I find myself having to explain myself to my coworkers and then I stop doing that shit. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to come off as the angry black woman, but you know, ABC. And then it took for one of my white coworkers, she hit me up and I love her for this. My homegirl, she's in Boston. She was like, hey, listen, she was like, you know, I know you, you know me. We've been doing this for about four or five years. She said, don't ever feel like you have to explain to white people who you are. And I was like, thank you for pointing that out because I do, I find myself having to explain that a lot when I shouldn't have to. But. Because when white women get to, when white women are pissed off, they pissed off, somebody did that to them. Somebody yeah. made them upset. When, when black women are upset, we're angry black women. What? Why can't we just be upset? <laughs> you know? Why can't anybody have pissed us off? Why can't you just be mad about it? Why? Why does it make you angry if I'm angry? <laughs> like, why why am I not allowed to be sad? Why am I not allowed to be vulnerable? Like, have you ever noticed that? And I don't know if it's all black women, but I feel like we struggle with vulnerability because of just this shit goes all the way back to slavery. We didn't have time to be weak. We didn't have time to sit and cry about shit. Like we had to strategize and just do the best that we we can with whatever it is that we have but it's like we never had time to cry we never have time to cry it's always a, like a multi-passing event like i'm crying in, in the car or i am crying in, in the shower or i am you know what i'm saying crying and cleaning up my house girl the shower it's is never- my jam i will cry in the motherfucking shower i will cry in the shower in a minute and and and, and go outside as if nothing happened thing i talked about when um i you know finally told everybody that i got engaged or whatever because it it was my fault for one i messed up my honey's engagement he was actually going to propose this week up here at the cabin but i screwed it up so we got engaged last week but i talked about how me being raised by such um a powerful black woman and at one point who happened to be a single parent and then you know she married my dad i said her her teachings helped me but they also hindered me when it came to having actual conversations with my partner you know with with my my fiance and i had to like peel back a lot of layers about myself and when we when we broke up the first time, you know, I had to peel back a lot of layers about who I was as a person. They wouldn't want to date me. And sometimes it's not always the man. Sometimes it can be the woman. Uh-huh. Take that time to really, like, figure out what it is that we want and, and how we want stuff done. But most importantly, you know, like I said, I've, I've come across a lot of men that I have dated. And oftentimes I was called an asshole. I was called a bitch. You know, because... I knew I wanted stuff done a certain way and I knew how I wanted stuff done a certain way but most importantly 
I was a, a I won't take no shit from nobody female. But oftentimes I think the problem was that and it's I, I mean I'm not I'm not putting all men in the category, but men hate being reminded that hey, we don't need y'all. We want y'all. Yeah. And I would tell somebody in a minute, I don't need your ass. I got me. But that that presented an issue in my relationship in the beginning because here was a man coming in and he knew that I didn't need him. He just wanted to be the extra piece to the puzzle because he knew I could take care of myself. But I made our relationship very difficult in the beginning because of who I was and how my mother raised me. And and like I said, it it helped, but it also hurt my relationship because I was closed off. I wasn't vulnerable. When oftentimes if I needed something, I would literally work my ass to the bone until I would finally just cave in and finally ask for the help. But my um, fiance got so tired of me always being Miss Independent and always doing shit for myself. And it's like, but sometimes you got to think about it. You know, black women, like, at the end of the day, you know, we have to think about whether you can get done with or without a man because if we depend on a man sometimes we classify as a gold digger or a lazy heifer oh man I was having um, one, of my, one of my good friends she is uh, in med school supposed to be a doctor and she is very much so my husband needs to pay all my bills <laughs> and a lot of I was like, sometimes you got to go back to the team to get the ring. Like, I literally, like, I met, I met Andre when I was 23. And we broke up 2016. And I was on my own. Got my, like, first real big girl job. And we got back together by 2019. But, again, like, there was a time where, you know, I was in college and I was finishing up school. And he took care of, like, most of the bills, you know. But I felt, and then and then even for me, I started to feel lazy. Like, I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Right. Ain't it weird? Um, But he knew that I was, like, finishing up school and he wasn't stressed about it, you know. But there was something in me that made me take a step back from my relationship. And I ended up getting my own place and... You know, paying all of my own bills because I just need to make sure that I could do it. It was like, girl, it was some internal shit that I was struggling with until one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this shit no more. I want to be taken care of. I'm, I'm tired of being single. This shit ghetto. You know, I want to be a wife, but I still find myself still playing that strong independent role yet again where, you know, we're organizing our bills and stuff and I'm like, 
busting my ass to do something. He's just like, what are you doing? I'm here. You don't have to bust your ass. Like, if you need help with something, let me take care of it. Let me take care of it. It's hard. It's hard. Hard. You just you be in a routine, and it's really like I've had experiences where you know if I didn't do it, it didn't get done. Okay. And so you want to do it? I don't know. Do you know how to do it? Should I let you try to do it? Because if I let you try to do it and it gets fucked up, then I'm gonna be, be mad. <laughs> would be bad. So he said y'all don't know how to right. Man. No. Okay, okay. But we admitted, uh, we admitted it. We said that already. My name is G Marie and I am a black woman who don't let who don't know how to let a man take care of me. Shut up. <laughs> it's not just men. I don't ask for help in general. Yep. I had a huge order of like baking things to put together for tomorrow, about between today and tomorrow. And like, I wasn't about to ask anyone to help me. But my homegirl came over and was just like, what you need? Yep. I don't ask for help from anyone. Yep. I don't let anyone take care of me. Yep. And it's not just me, it's family members too. Yep. It's friends too. Yep. You know what I'm saying? If I need something, I'm not usually the first person to say, Anything and if you ask me the first two times, I'm gonna probably tell you no, I'm good. Yep. Good or not. Just because I don't want to feel like a failure or, or a I, burden. Like I, I can't handle adulthood. But it's so many that's why we all gotta go through therapy. That's why. Say it again. Everybody should go. Say because it again. a lot of times, you know, um, Men think that the only way to take care of a woman is financially. It's like, okay, you got money, but what else do you have? I was dating someone and it was like, yeah, it's cool, we go out, you do this, you do that, you send me money for this, but can I talk to you about the fact that I'm sad as fuck that my mama is dead? That's a- Will you be able to, to, to commiserate with me when I tell you that's difference in, in, in being physical and being intimate with people and um you know it's not that black women struggle with intimacy it's just a matter of can we trust you you and know trust you. like can we trust you and if if i've been proven wrong one too many times then you can't be disappointed if my guard is is gonna be up for a while it's gonna be up it's gonna be up it's gonna be up But most importantly, you know, we we ask for that safe space for men, but men also need to take that time out to go to therapy too. Everybody, everybody, they got it. They have to talk to somebody about their struggles because oftentimes, you know, especially black men, they don't have time to process certain things, and they'll push that shit, you know, in the back of their mind. And oftentimes it comes out in their relationship and they don't realize it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think a lot of times, you know, they talk about like women with daddy issues. No, y'all, y'all got daddy issues too. Y'all got mommy issues too. And be having and some deeper I, shit going on sometimes more than women. Yeah. And I think that honestly, therapy is 
way to go because then you can identify what your needs are. Somebody can help you identify how to get them met. Yeah. And then you can have that conversation with somebody. But it's a, it's being a quote-unquote strong black woman. Interesting times, man. Yeah, especially it's right so now. Layered. It's so layered of an experience. Like, then you, you, because you end up with the ones that that are in competition with other women, why? 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 And you end up with ones that consider themselves in competition with men too. Why? Like for what? <laughs> you know. It, it's so later. Oh goodness. Like we could go on and on forever talking about it, but it's it's a lot well let's see um so i know we are at the technically the 10 minute mark before ig live just shuts down completely for me and i've had so many really good conversations where we like in the middle of something and then that shit just bloop it is just exit out i'll be like no the shit was getting so good so um i am going to and not just myself but my girl two time we gonna sit here and we gonna take some questions because i know we got some people in here that um you know got some stuff that they gotta say and and this is one of those unscripted unfiltered and unapologetic safe spaces uh that you know my podcast welcomes like i'm i'm not one of those judgmental individuals if it's something that you like let's talk about this let's let's address this issue why aren't we talking about this please there is a question mark at the bottom and you guys can submit your questions and we will be happy to answer them but it's this is always great conversation and i love i love talking to black women like i hate when you got it's a very exclusive club it's lit as fuck though yes and it's and, and i don't understand why some of us feel like we have to compete against each other like i don't either maybe we don't want either. some shit because we all it's like everybody has their own race and the only person you should really be in competition with is yourself is your motherfucking self, your motherfucking so self. If you feel like if you feel like um some sort of jealousy and seeing what another woman has going on her head you should transmit that energy into inspiration and do better or ask her what did you do to get to where you're at. And if she doesn't want to tell you, alright. Yep. Take that for what it's worth and, and keep it pushing. But I don't I I, I don't I don't like the, the competitive piece. Like I'm always super geek to meet other female DJs. Um like I you know what I'm saying? Like our <laughs> whole connection was random as hell. As hell. And you know what's so funny, Dez, I talked to Dez a couple of days ago, um, because originally I had asked somebody else to do an interview last week, and they got to me, like, at the complete last minute, and I was like, listen, so Dez was like, yo, you know, uh, T2 time, I was like, yes, I know her, I was like, I, I have her number, I'm like, we, the first day we met, I'm like, we clicked, we clicked, and you know, it's not too many people where you can literally sit and just have organic conversation with. And he was like, yo, hit her up for um, a podcast interview. I was like, you right. Let me hit her up. And I know we talked about trying to do something too. And I mean, this is like the perfect time where everybody that I've talked to about collaborating with, especially black women, I'm like, it, come on, let, let's do that. Pull up. And, and then, you know, I forget that because I ain't been DJing. I ain't been DJing. But I um I had to turn down one event. It was for a repass. I feel so bad, but I got a lot of stuff going on. But like, it's so beautiful. Like because you know, DJing and just media period is is male dominated. So want to see women actually coming together and just like breaking bread. And then black women, I feel like we are we are breaking barriers like a motherfucker. Yeah. And we and we gotta and we gotta I'm, keep I'm doing so it together. 
Somebody actually still owes me money from an event that they, you know, they they happen to overbook themselves and they asked if I could do the event and I did it. But the guy was real shisty about the business he was doing and he had me pretty much acting as like a third party person when in fact it shouldn't even been like that because I was the one setting up the contract and getting everything taken care of. All you did was just give me the name and the number, but you was doing some slick shit on the side. And now you owe me some money. And this is from two years ago. And I think that was when I took a step back from DJing. Because I was like, yo, I know it's hard being a female in the entertainment industry. But god damn. How, like, you know how, I mean, you know, like, how much do I have to keep proving myself? One, I'm professional. I'm, I'm business oriented. Like, business minded. I get shit done. I'm organized. And then I provide a good time. And for you to rip me off. Two hundred dollars, two hundred fucking dollars, because you lied about something you did, and you owe me money. All right, cool. Yeah, I am grateful to have kind of removed myself from the mindset of having to prove myself. I'm here. If you didn't want me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I know it's probably people like, damn, how she DJing out here. Girl, do that shit. I salute you. I salute you. That's probably what they... I still ain't... I ain't got the courage to do is DJ on air. Like, I am such a... I hate... I hate DJ. I hate going live. You know? It's nerve-wracking. <laughs> like, I've never... I never actually went live and DJ. I would just make a mix and post it and call it a day. But, like, stuff like that. Like, I salute you. I salute you because you're, you're doing something that you know women like me like we gotta see stuff like that like yo it can be done so don't think it can't be done it can be done you just gotta work your ass off you know you gotta work your ass off you gotta network and and just be authentic be who you are that's where being a strong black woman has its positives because it's like look this is me this is my clock and i'm hoping that it does not cut off but t i wanted to thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast and we are definitely going to do some more work um i hope you did you receive the shirt that i sent you it's at the station in the studio as long as you got it as long as you got it today's episode is powered by g marie media llc 